0: But what exactly is it and how would it work? It's a very important initiative on Capitol Hill right now. Our guest today, uh, the one of the co-founders and, and president of the Institutional Religious Freedom Alliance, Stanley Carlson Thies. Stanley, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. I'm so glad to join you. So... This is going to be part of a series on Fairness for All because it's such an important topic. But go ahead and brief our listeners on on what this effort is all about.
1: So, Alan, uh, this is an important topic because uh, this question of how different parts of our society uh, think about human sexuality and uh, same-sex marriage, obviously, is a, a big and troubling, controversial issue. And then how that intersects with religious freedom is really important for religious entities and people of faith, so can they live according to their views about these things, even though those diverge from the majority, or will the government uh, step in and say it's illegal to do things that way, you have to do it some other way? And so this is really critical for certainly religious colleges and universities, uh, schools, a lot of charities, adoption agencies, and so on. Uh, Of course, they have different views on these things, but some of them do hold to traditional view that's not popular anymore and they uh, would like to have space in society to live by what they are convinced is right, uh, not to oppress anybody else, but to fulfill what they think God calls them to do and what they think is good for everybody. So to find a legislative way to deal with these uh, dilemmas seems like the best way forward. Uh, If you throw it into courts, you're not sure where they're going to end up. They need some guidance from the legislature as to what's actually fair for everybody.
0: Well, so I I gather from what you're saying that we're, we're looking at this seemingly intractable conflict between LGBT rights on the one hand and the religious freedom of faith groups, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, you know, maybe others that hold to traditional values of human sexuality. And how do we reconcile these in a pluralistic society? And what are the rules? And if we leave it up to the court's, Religious freedom tends to suffer, uh, and, you know, that we have this historic sort of uh, shift uh, away from the progressive move back to a more conservative uh, uh, politics, at least uh, in in international politics, and an opportunity to start to define, you know, what really is fair.
1: Yeah, that's right. And uh, it, it should be an important question for everybody, whatever side of this you stand, uh it's one thing to have the law encode your views, and that 's comfortable, but what do we do when we differ and that 's kind of where we are on this topic you know, and perhaps the uh place we are now in national politics does give an opening to do something creative we don 't know that for sure, but it's very interesting to have a president who is favorable to religious freedom and religious organizations but also favorable to Uh, the many gay friends he has and same-sex married folks, and he doesn't want them to be oppressed either. So perhaps he would help to outline a way forward, and maybe Congress would say, we're divided on this issue, let's find a way to uh, respect everybody's rights.
0: Years ago, I started to articulate, at least in kind of uh, principled terms, the idea of live and let live. Right. And I think that that is kind of the underlying philosophy of of Fairness for All is that, you know, we all have a right to live according to our own values and beliefs, that I don't get to impose mine on you, but you don't get to impose yours on me either. Um, Of course, the problem, it's easy to say that in the abstract, Uh, the proverbial devil's in the details. Now, I know, you know, uh, you've been doing a lot of work on this issue and in part trying to Um, allay the fears of some within the Christian community, some conservatives, who oppose this effort. And uh, there's a couple of uh, objections that we hear from some. Um, Let's take them in turn and and, uh, tell us your perspective on on some of these objections.
1: Yeah, so uh, let me uh, mention two. And I want to say at the start that uh, people can object to putting protections against same-sex or gender identity protections into the law, not because they're against gay people, but because they're afraid of the laws, the coercive instrument it is, and blunt instrument it could be. And so sometimes people say, well, I get it that there are bad things that are done and those ought to stop, but is really federal civil rights law the best place to do it? So let me talk about two issues. One of them is the concern that putting a view that many uh, conservative religious people think is wrong about sexual orientation, gender identity, to put that into the law has the law teaching the wrong thing. We'll talk about that in just a second. But then the other one is, isn't it damaging to put these uh, protected categories into civil rights law?
0: And Stanley, this is where I take strong objection to the kind of hard line opposition that we get from the right. Because it's the wrong question. Uh, protection for LGBT rights is going to be in the laws of all 50 states and the federal government. The Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals recently, as you know, um, ruled that Title VII, the employment discrimination laws, that uh, prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex, that sex now includes uh, sexual orientation. Um, protection for LGBT rights is not really optional. It's coming. The only question is, is it going to respect the rights of traditional believers and their institutions? That's the question. And if we don't get that nailed down, we're going to lose everything.
1: Well, I think that's uh, actually right. And uh, beyond the kind of inevitability of the uh, court decisions and executive decisions and municipalities and states and so on, there is that fundamental question of somebody Uh, just in general, lose their job or their ability to find housing or credit, something like that, because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. That just seems to me very different than uh, can a religious institution teach that God says this about sexuality and not something else, and then carries out.
0: Right. And what the hardline folks... Don't get, and I see this in my practice because I deal with, you know, employment discrimination is that there are straight people, Christians, who are discriminated against by, uh, supervisors who are gay or lesbian. Sexual orientation laws protect, uh, straight people as well as gay people. Right, right. So you were going to talk about, you know, the problem of the law as teacher. And I think we've seen this both here with LGBT, we've also seen it with, with marijuana. You know, outlawing marijuana hasn't really uh, succeeded in teaching people that uh, smoking pot is bad, uh, although I wish it did. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an irony that, uh, of course, we, we wish the law would teach us the right thing, but uh, views that many traditional people think are not godly about marriage and sexuality, of course, grew up exactly when the law was trying to teach what those conservative people thought was right. And so the law didn't successfully teach that, just like it has successfully taught people not to smoke weed. So then what can the law teach? I think when we're really divided, just like with religion, different convictions about faith, it can teach us how we live together. And that means, you can't just trample on somebody else's rights, but they have to respect yours at the same time. And that's what the Fairness for All or Live and Let Live idea is all about, that in certain places, you can live by your values, you have to respect other people, they have to respect you as well.
0: So, you know, we just have a few minutes left, and there's a more perhaps significant and theological concern. Um, in some theological traditions that I want you to address, and that's the issue of moral complicity. And I think the concern, if I state it correctly, is that um, if the Christian community cooperates in enacting protections for LGBT, that we're essentially legalizing sin and that we are somehow morally um, complicit, we're morally uh, guilty for you know, legalizing what is regarded as sinful conduct. Is that a a fair way to state it?
1: Well, I think that's a fair way. Uh, Of course, uh, I think different traditions have to examine deeply for themselves and, and for that matter, individuals, what is complicity and and what's wrong. I think here we just have this real deep dilemma that uh, people in our society do differ very significantly. And then, is it possible for the law to deal with that the law What the law says is not everything that God teaches is right and, and wrong. We already know that. Uh, but it's a, an effort to say, with all these differences, um, disobedience, obedience, different conceptions, uh, can we kind of negotiate? It's kind of like traffic law, right? So uh, traffic lights is trying to protect people uh, when they uh, differ substantially. And I, I do understand that people feel like if they actively collaborate, with passing a law that protects uh, all kinds of sexual orientation, even if it protects religion, that they're being complicit, um, I would say, let's think about it the other way. Many of our fellow citizens just want to say that those different kinds of sexual orientation, they're all equivalent, and if you think otherwise, then your institution really ought not to be given any space. And so what we want to do here is act so that that other view doesn't become the law but instead we find ways to protect in the law uh, people who say, that's not the way God uh, wants you to live. We need to do something different. So we want to protect the space to live faithfully in a way that's countercultural. And I think that requires acting here. And to my mind, it's okay to do that, just like with religious freedom. We say, uh, we're going to protect other points of view, other confessions, not because we think they're right, but because we think God honors people doing things from conscience, and we need to have our conscience respected as well.
0: So just to be really clear for our listeners, the stakes here are enormous. Now, you head up a, an organization to protect the religious freedom rights of institutions, and um, it seems to me that uh, if we don't act that Christian institutions, conservative institutions that hold to traditional values of human sexuality could literally lose the right to exist in this country. Uh, is that overstating the risk?
1: No, I don't think it's overstating the risk. So there's loss of government funding and, and maybe tax-exempt status, tax deductible contributions. All that's really serious, uh, organizations may find a way around that. But the law is going to actually say some things are forbidden in employment practices, maybe when an organization acts out into the public square of accommodation law, ability to be licensed, a counselor, uh, adoption agency, all these kinds of areas could mean that religious entities that have the, quote-unquote, wrong views on human sexuality and marriage just can't operate anymore. And so then if you do want to operate, you have to adopt different points of view than the ones you think God calls you to. And that would be a tragedy for ministry or religious communities.
0: Well, you know, sitting as I do here in California, we very much see the risks because what we see in our state is that um, human sexuality essentially equals race uh, in legal status. And so if you can imagine a racist Christian institution being allowed to practice its racism, uh, that's where we're headed in terms of issues of human sexuality. I think it's just that serious. So we certainly appreciate your efforts and and those of many others to try to uh, find compromise, find legislative solutions. Our guest today, Stanley Carlson Thies, founder and director of the Institutional Religious Freedom Alliance. Uh, one of our series on Fairness for All. Stanley, thank you so much for being with us on Freedom's Ring today.
1: Thank you, Alan. Next time, a happier topic, I hope.
0: And as we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk the talk. We help folks suffering religious discrimination, especially in the workplace. Do check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom reign.